Salams guys, my name is Mohammed Zaud and I'm the co-founder of Toledo Society, which is a podcast network dedicated to English-speaking Muslims across the globe. We've launched a couple of shows and we have several in the pipeline. Our first show, which is called The Transit Lounge, which I host, is currently live and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. On The Transit Lounge, we interview people who've had a considerable impact on the Muslim world. People who've had positions at the White House, members of parliament, business people and community people. We also have another show that's currently live called Seven Stories, Seven Minute Stories as you drop off your kids to school. We'd love your feedback and if you'd like to find out more, visit ToledoSociety.com. That's T-O-L-E-D-O Society.com. Assalamu alaikum. I'm Khalil Alika. And I'm Zahir Parker. And welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. So AccidentalMuslims.com is a, a movement, a platform where we showcase present and future leaders to help us live with purpose. And we believe that everybody has a story to tell. This podcast hopes to add value. So welcome and enjoy. Assalamu alaikum. Um, today we have Sister Mariam Lemo with us. Um, very, very honored to have you in Cape Town with us. A very warm welcome. Um, I, how, has, how has your visit been so far? It's, uh, it's been absolutely overwhelming. Um, the hospitality, the generosity of uh, the wonderful people Allah has put in my path has just been awesome. And uh, so alhamdulillah, it's been a great experience. Um, we were just before before speaking. We were just talking about the fact that um, everywhere you go, there's just so much food and the culture of Cape Town and how different it is. Um, so I'm glad you're enjoying it so far. Yes. I'm just going to delve into into asking you some questions. Um, who who is Mariam Lemo? I think let's start with that. Who are you? Um, what is a little bit about your background, where you come from, okay. and what led you to the work you're doing? Okay. Well. Um I, my mother, my father's from Nigeria, my mom is British, and I'm, I guess, a so-called motivational speaker. I like to use my best practices, um, the mistakes I've made to share lessons for people so that hopefully they will, you know, maneuver around the pitfalls when it comes to things to do with marriage. I'm absolutely passionate about anything to do with personal growth and development, discovering yourself and knowing what you are capable of and achieving your fullest potential. My goal is to be useful in any way possible. So I try to live my life and learn as I go along and uh, hopefully make a difference, however small, in people's lives. I'm passionate about marriage, seeing that marriages work. So I do a lot of premarital and marriage talks and uh, counseling as well. We counsel couples. Sometimes my husband joins me and we do it together. And then I grew up in Nigeria, though I traveled a lot. My parents are world travelers, motivational speakers, religious, spiritual advisors, and so on. So I was privileged enough to have an opportunity to see the world from a very young age. And um, then um, I would say my childhood, I don't know if you want me to yes, go into please, that. Please do. <laughs> okay. Um, I grew up in a home where there was a lot of love and affection. We were a very tight-knit family. So we played a lot. We were very adventurous. And um, our childhood consisted of um, hands-on learning. We weren't given toys. We made our own toys. So it was really very rich. My parents were very involved in our upbringing. And uh, they just wanted us to be very curious and to learn from our environment. Um, and then they taught us service. Yes. Both my parents uh, established an Islamic organization with another gentleman. Um, 
called the Islamic Education Trust, mm -hmm. where the purpose of establishing the organization is to educate and enlighten people about true Islam. And so wow. there's a lot that they do. Like today, it has evolved to the extent where they have established schools. I'm involved with the school right now, the secondary school. However, we have uh, nursery, creche, Montessori, primary school, and uh, in more than just one state. And I'm the head of HR in the college, New Horizons College in Mina, in Nigeria. And Alhamdulillah, a few years ago, we went to the UK to get our award for being the best Islamic secondary school in Africa. Wow. So that was really that was a big amazing. feather in our caps, yes. Alhamdulillah. And um, I'm the hostel administrator as well because it's a boarding school. Okay. So I'm privileged enough to be able to interact with teenagers, um, about 450 of them every day and uh, share the little I know with them. So it's really been a wonderful experience so far. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a little bit about the youth a little bit later because now I see that's so big, seems yes. like a big passion as well. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to also, because you spoke about your passion being about marital um, issues and premarital, and yeah. um, what is it that actually led to that? That's it. I, what is it that made you decide this is what I want to go into? Um, I would say what I'm doing today, I stumbled across it by accident. Um, it wasn't ever a goal, something I planned to do. I thought I would go into catering because I love cooking. Oh, and I've always had okay. a passion that one day I'd open my own restaurant. Yes. However, um, I lived in America right after I got married, which was quite a long time ago. And when we moved back to Nigeria, when we had kids and I wanted the community to be involved in raising our children, I started to talk to people about marriage, people who have issues. And I would just say, you know, this is what worked for me or these are the things we did that backfired and you know gradually people started to know that um, you know I I was free talking about our mistakes um, and they realized that uh, they weren't alone what they were going through and that a lot of problems you see in marriages are common and so I found one thing that resonated for me was people kept saying when you talk it sounds like you're speaking to us like this is us that's yes. our marriage you know yes. and I don't hide anything my yes. life is an open book our marriage is an open book I tell people how stupid I was how selfish I was how <laughs> self-centered I was yes. and um, the way we fought you know like I didn't I had such high expectations of marriage um, how it would be, you know, the fairy tale and so on. And literally within two weeks of getting married, I asked my husband for a divorce because I never saw my parents fight. Yes. And that expectation, yes. a lot of people go into marriages yes. with that and um, expect the sun would rise and set and he'd be telling you sweet nothings and looking into your eyes. I had that. And then when he wasn't, I just panicked and yes. um, I was like, okay, I can tell this marriage is doomed. I'm going home. I don't want it anymore. Yeah. But it took us about six years yes. um, to learn how to fight without yeah. fighting, um, to overcome the challenges, yes. which were so many. And uh, so Alhamdulillah, learning to mature in the yes. manner with which we yes. communicated, um, learned yeah. so much about one another and how to be selfless but yet make sure you don't lose yourself either in the marriage. So these are basically the things I do and people connect with yes. and they start to test and practice and gradually you get feedback that you know what this helped. Yes. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then I became more passionate because I realized so many marriages are failing today 
and I'm so concerned about that. And so the premarital is extremely critical, and I do as much of that as possible to prevent. Because had I known then what I know now, and yes. so I try and give people a shortcut, yes. like you know, don't make this mistake. Because um, you've been there and you've overcome it. Exactly. Yes. yes. And if I had known this, most yeah. likely I wouldn't have gone down this road. Yeah. Knowing yourself very well and what you want and who you are and having a purpose is so important. And then, like I always give premarital advice, don't make the mistake of marrying a potential or marry a work in progress. Don't marry someone you think you will change later on. Marry them as they are with all their faults if you're okay with them. Yes. Um, and uh, be ready to accept them, not Ah, there's this about him I don't like. Yes. I'll change. Yes. People get worse if it's bad habits yes. after marriage. So those kind of things. I um, it's very interesting. I was about to ask you about that because um, I've watched quite a few of your videos and even not being being unmarried, it resonates a lot with me as well. Um, and so I was actually going to ask because there's a lot of obviously there's a lot of single people, there's a lot of pressure. The older you get, the the more pressure there is to put on you to get married. Yeah. Um, what would be the kind of advice that you give to, to those um, women and men in that situation and as well to the families. Yeah. Um, don't marry because of pressure. Marry when the time is right and when the right person comes. Um, if you settle, you're going to regret it. If you allow yourself um, to get married um, because of other people, mm -hmm. not because you are now the right person and you have found the right person, yes. um, you're going to regret it no matter what. So I don't believe in you know, giving in. And of course, yeah. you pray that your loved ones really love yes. you enough yes. to know that um, if you're miserable, it's the rest of your life you're talking about. And if things don't go well, it's going to come back to you, you know. And is that what you really want for yeah. your loved one, for your daughter or what your son? Um, so don't rush, don't pressure them. I don't think age is any restriction. Of course, one's biological clock will be ticking. Yeah. However, Allah's time is the best. So I strongly believe in spirituality, um, praying hard for Allah to bring the right person that he created just for you. But don't just settle. Don't just go into it because of pressures. Absolutely. Um, I think because of that, um, a lot of the, almost the sacredness of marriage is lacking. Yeah. You find it and it's, um, with the younger people, the younger we get and, um, I, yeah, advice for with regards to, um, you know, just making the decision, knowing how sacred this, this yeah. marriage actually is. Well, the nikah is a contract between yes. you and your spouse, but Allah is the witness mm -hmm. to it. So I often say it's not compulsory to get married, mm -hmm. but once you choose to get married, you have signed a contract before Allah and your spouse has rights, and, uh, rights over you and you have rights mm -hmm. over them. And you have obligations as well that you yes. have to fulfill. And we will answer to Allah if we do not, if we do not fulfill our obligations. And Alhamdulillah, there are guidelines on how to live a happy yes. married life yes. and everything. Um, but a lot of uh, people are getting married today and it's not necessarily young people for the wrong reasons. And they are not going into it with that long-term commitment. Um, for me, I had that problem. I wasn't committed, which is why I could threaten divorce. Yes. But um, to go into marriage knowing like, look, this is for life. And you hope that someday you will be, people will look back on your life and say, oh, they lived happily ever after. Yes. Looking long term and uh, being ready to go through the long haul because it's a, it's a journey. 
I often say it has twists and turns and um, there are potholes along the way yes. and lots of detours. Yes. Um, but you should be ready to make the adjustments and the sacrifices. However, the sacrifices should not involve suffering. We're not supposed to suffer in marriage. We're not supposed to be miserable. Yes. We're not supposed to manage. Yes. Um, but be patient, exercise sober to see the results yeah. of the hard work that both of you put in because it is a joint thing. You got married as a couple yes. and you would hope that you would learn and grow together yes. and grow all together. Someone actually just recently, it was, it was a very interesting statement because you also said it's not supposed to be a martyrdom. Exactly. And I never, I never thought about exactly. that, but it happens so often. Yeah. Um, I think generationally as well, you know, you got married because you had to and yeah. it becomes a martyrdom. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes we make the mistake of seeing how our parents lived their married life, yes. whether good yes. or not good, yeah. and we replicate it. Mm. So if our one parent um, accepts and is submissive, and I mean submissive not in a derogatory mm. term, uh, sorry, not in the way we are meant to submit yes. to our spouse, yes. but in submissive in the term that, you know, like, oh yes, abusive, master, whatever you say, abusive yes. and so on. Yes. We think that's how it's supposed to be. So even I give counseling on parenting as well. And amongst the things I caution is be careful what you're modeling for your children, yeah. because most likely they will replicate. If you accept that you are going to be a doormat, that someone will wipe their feet over you, most likely you're teaching your children that that is how it's meant to be. If a parent is very domineering, um, abusive to their spouse, yes. you're teaching your children that they can do that in marriage. So you have to be very careful about what you're modeling. Yeah. Um, this wasn't one of the, the questions that I was, I just, I just thought about it now. Um, that also, because of the, um, the, da the day we live in, times we live in as well, a lot of, there's a lot of pressure with regards to dating as well. Yeah. Is that also something that you um, cover or... About you, dating? Yes. Well, well dating in Islam? <laughs> or, yeah. Well, yeah. obviously there are guidelines. Yes. Um, I, there is courting. Yes. But dating, um, in the term that is used today, is like having a fling if you're not careful, um, get a taste, an appetizer yes. before the main course, which is not Islamic. Yes. However, if sincerely your intention is to get married to someone, um, then there are guidelines for courtship. You know, for me, when I was courting, my dad is very old fashioned and very traditional. Yes. So I was never, ever with my husband without a third party. Yes. He always said, Sheetan is going to be the third party. <laughs> so yes. we were always in a public area in the living room. People and busy bodies in my family always walked through to see what was going on. Um, when I would meet him at his sister's house, my mom would drop me off there. And again, we'd sit in the living room. But never, ever was there a time where my husband and I, during courtship, were not with a third party. Then you have to also observe what you talk about. You know, if you go into certain things to do with intimacy, if you're not careful, you're going to start stirring some thoughts that could lead to other things. So you have to watch the things you talk yes. about. But I always say during courtship, talk about everything, the kind of ideal marriage you want to have, how you're going to relate, how you're going to share funds, how many kids you want. So you don't go in and find somebody has moved the goalpost or there are surprises. So talk about everything, but always respect boundaries of dignity so that you don't cross the line and allow shaitan to suddenly yes. do his you are swissu in your ear and lead yeah. you astray i think i think the the pressure comes in is when um the youth we don't see a lot of the youth we don't see alternatives to it yeah. um it's what everyone's doing yes um and it's the only way we can meet someone um i think that's where the the difficulty actually comes in yes um and without realizing that 
you know, there's a certain level of respect that you have to have for yourself, actually. Yeah. Um, so, what would you, as the alternative way, yeah. um, especially in the society we live in, very Western, yeah. um, this is how it's done. Yeah. Um, what would you, what advice would you give with regards to doing well, it the right way? Cultures and traditions mm. change, but religion religious instructions and doctrines don't and that's what I love about the beauty of Islam it's the consistent message throughout from you know 1400 years ago till today Um, it's important that Allah comes first in everything we do and yes modern times will there'll always be modern times forever today will be someday people will look back and say this was the good old days whereas we today are thinking like what is wrong with this world we live in so as we get more exposed and desensitized, things are actually most likely going to get worse. But we as individuals have a personal responsibility and ignorance is not an excuse. Um, we're responsible to know our religion and what are the guidelines that have been set up for us. So yes, in modern times, um, like now, if I choose to meet somebody and I want to get to know mm-hmm. them better, there is no harm in just asking a friend to come along. Yes. So that we can talk. They yes. can be sitting in a corner, not listening <laughs> yeah. to our conversation. Yeah. But at least there's a third party yeah. right there. I feel that is fair. Um, a lot of people today want more privacy. They don't want their parents involved in what they do. So take a friend so that you play it safe. Um, or ask them to bring somebody along. For me, that third party is important. Like, never be alone. Yes. It's really because when you're head over heels in love and completely blind... You won't know when something comes and hits you that you're like, you just never thought you would do certain things. So that temptation, like I said, the th- the devil is the third one. Yes. And I always advise people, yes. don't test the devil to see if he's clever. He, he is. is clever. And he doesn't come yeah. with the horns and the red tail and all that. He comes in the form of somebody we love that we feel we're going to spend the rest of our life with. And until that point when you say, I do, things can change. And up until that point, make sure you maintain your dignity and self-respect in case things don't work out. And even if things work out, don't ever lose that thing that you're meant to preserve until you are married. So, because I believe that's where your spouse will truly, truly, truly respect you. I know there's a lot of pressure on people saying, you know, you got to experiment, you need experience, you don't want to go in as a novice and, you know, and so on. But Allah's plan for us is so beautiful that preserving yourself for your spouse and holding on to that self-control and self-restraint and dignity is what will make your qualities more endearing to your spouse, that you saved yourself just for them. Yeah. And I think it is a lot about trusting in the fact that in following Allah's guidelines, yes. um, you, that is where you'll find your happiness. Exactly. That is where it lies. Exactly. So I'm going to take a little bit of a, of a detour. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, since it's an accidental Muslims uh, interview, I did. I wanted to ask, what do you what do you think of the name accidental oh. Muslims? <laughs> I, well, know, I, I know Halil's right here, but be honest. <laughs> I, I mentioned it to them the other day when I arrived. Yes. Um, I love the name so much. Oh, so you did mention it to him, and that's why I you wanted it to them, I said, this is like the coolest, hippest name. I really? couldn't have even come up really? with it, but it's so perfect because okay. a lot of us are Muslims by chance, mm-hmm. and some people become Muslims by choice. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those. My journey to discovering Islam, if you knew me way back when, I grew up in an extremely religious home. Um, both my parents are religious, known to be religious scholars and so on, and so is my brother. Um, I read the Quran because I was told to. Yes. 
I grew up in a Muslim home and then society had so much expectations of what I was supposed to be, how I'm supposed to behave, talk and look and everything. And anytime I fell short of their expectations, oh, Mariam Haram, this is wrong. You know, you're going to burn in hell. And, you know, everything was just negative. And I just like, oh, okay, you say this isn't good. Well, I'm going to show you. And I went the total opposite. Sounds just like me. I flipped. I flipped and I just was so anti. I became almost allergic to anything Islamic. Mm. And um, I then got married at 18 and moved to live in the United States where it's not like you see Islam everywhere. Um, And, you know, you're the minority. So I simply reached a stage where at some points I wasn't even praying because I felt Allah didn't know I existed. I would pray for things he didn't answer me. And as far as I'm concerned, he has changed channels. I do not exist. Allah doesn't love me. And that's how I gradually reached a stage where I started to feel something inside me that something is missing. It was a very slow process, but I just felt I'm not complete. So then guilt started to set in. Funny, alhamdulillah, I've been blessed with wonderful people in my life. My brother... Um, was somebody I called and I told him what I was going through and he didn't say you're gonna burn in hell he actually said Allah is very merciful he knows what I'm going through he knows what is in my heart and that I should just start taking small steps to come back on the Sarat al-Mustaqim on the straight path and he said it's just small small things you'll do he said those things you said Allah didn't answer but count these other blessings you already have maybe those things were not good for you and he prescribed something far better Mm -hmm. he'd say do you have this do you have that say alhamdulillah that's actually a prayer you didn't even ask for and you have. And gradually I started to look around me and I have been so blessed that I became more aware and I started to feel. And you know you know how Allah says you take one step towards him, he's going to come running towards you. He started to fill my heart. Um, Allah is, uh, or for me, Islam is not really in how you dress. I believe truly it's about your actions. It's about how you convert what you have learned. We focus so much on memorizing the Quran, pronouncing everything so perfectly, which is important because we've been asked to. But I believe the whole purpose of the message is to actually translate it into action. Islam is about action. It's about motion. And, you know, my smiling at somebody, even if it's a non-Muslim, being kind to my neighbor, um, picking up litter. This is Islam because this is what we're meant to do. We're meant to be useful and be greater than our personal goals so that's Um, how i gradually discovered the beauty of islam and i became a muslim Um, but that's between me and allah allah will judge and so when i heard accidental muslim i'm like yeah that's me actually (laughs) (laughs) you know i was born into it yes but i wasn't a muslim it's like you stumbled stumbled across it at allah's time which is the best yes um and and that feeds into to what i was so i wanted to ask you so exactly that um parents again bringing in the youth and thinking about your experiences and a lot of parents go through um you know we've kind of done everything to raise them the right way yeah um and suddenly they're a teenager now they're rebelling Um, and what what would you tell what would you like to speak or what do you do with your own kids I don't know how old they are but yeah. your own children um, what are the kinds of um, pointers you give to parents when they're struggling yeah. and um, I think 
sorry, I think a lot of um, the time the parents themselves forget that your child also feels isolated. Yeah. Um, so, so what is it, the kind of advice you'd give for parents? Well, um, I have two boys. One is 21, the other one is 18, alhamdulillah. And my oldest son was very much like me. And his, actually, he even went through an Islamic school. I didn't. I went to a public school. Um, he went to a private Islamic school where there was a balance between secular and Islamic um, religious knowledge. However, after he graduated from high school, he went to university in Canada. He fell into the hands of atheists who asked him questions yes. that had him doubt. You know, he didn't have answers. And he came once and was complaining. He said, you know, we're told to memorize the Quran. We do. We're told to read hadiths and be able to you know, quotes, tips of our tongues. And yet we, you know, he said, I didn't feel the message. And because when I had him, um, I wasn't also strong in my own deen. I didn't know how. Um, in hindsight now, of course, or whatever advice I would give parents is um, you have to teach Islam in your actions. You have to be patient. Yes, we are living in modern times where there is overexposure and desensitization. Yes. And so a lot of the fitna that we would be able to, we were shielded from when we were young is not the same now. Why? Because they can see everything on their, finger, you know, on yes. their fingertips. And so one has to adjust. I don't believe in being a hardliner. Um, I believe if Rasulullah were here today, I think we would get a new fatwa with regard to how social media is used yes. and guidelines. Yes that would direct us in how to maneuver. But what is so wonderful is Islam is timeless. The message from Allah is till we die. And there are lessons for us to take from there that if we are to apply it to how we're raising our children in this modern age, I believe it will help us. Um, first and most important thing is develop a strong bond with your children. Keep the channels of communication open and then hold on tight to Allah's rule in the relationship um, that you have with them. Make Islam be as simple as it really is. Don't make it so heavy, don't make it so cumbersome, and like you have to be a saint before you attain yes. this. It's like yes. the deeds loved the most by Allah are those done regularly. Even if they're small, Allah will accept a smile and give you a reward for it. It's that simple. So for me, I believe, show them the simplicity of Islam, make them know that those small, small extras you do yes. are actually what bring you closer to it. The extra sadaqah, the extra nafla, extra dua, plant a tree, you know, smile at somebody. It is so simple that I believe they will see the beauty of Islam and hopefully let it be their guide and their yes. compass and help them navigate through this modern day we live in. I think we, we often forget to, um, with, with children especially, forget to focus on their hearts yes. and to actually nurture because yeah. that's the most. Because once the heart is, is on Islam, yeah. they, can't, they won't be there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you reach a stage where even yeah. Allah says, you know, when the heart becomes um, hardened, it becomes blind. Yes. And when you allow them to get set in their ways, especially with overexposure and things that you think are okay and acceptable, at one point they won't see anymore. They won't see the light. And so it's really important that we always let the nur of Allah enter into our hearts and continue yes. to pray. And for parents, I think another thing is pray, continue yes. to pray hard yes. for your children and pray with them. Let them hear what you pray for. You know, yes. keep Allah close. The families that pray together, stay together. Yes. Yes. That is important. Um, so now I'm just going to um, switch it back to, so if there was advice then, so 
the same similar situation people young people find themselves very isolated within today's society um, being Muslim and finding it very difficult what would you tell them um, this most Muslim identity crisis that we're dealing with right now is universal um, I think in it we suddenly found ourselves in the spotlight after 9-11 in yeah. particular when the Islamophobia yeah. um, culture began um, but I think the most important thing is do your own homework, know your own religion and have confidence in it. You have to believe. Once you believe, honestly, whatever insults are thrown your way, whatever somebody, even for me, if somebody gives me a dirty look and because I wear hijab everywhere, yes. I get that occasionally yes. from people. Um, I pray for them. May Allah guide you aright. If somebody says something that is not pleasant to me or treats me in a way, Allah has told us what to do in those situations. So, you know, I know it's ignorance and that's what is causing this darkness in their hearts that they don't know better. And the best I can do is smile at them, not feed the stereotype, but actually show them the beauty in my actions so that it guides them, right? So not to change and adjust because of people, but to actually use what Allah has asked us to do yes. and the Prophet وسلم, and the examples he's sh- he set to show people that, you know, Islam isn't what you think it is. I was chatting with um, my host here in South Africa as we were coming, um, you know, about the things to do with how we are perceived and, you know, how important it is that we model behavior everywhere we go. When I arrived in Ireland last couple of weeks ago when I went for a lecture, um, there was this gentleman who's not a Muslim. And as I walked into the hall of the lobby of the hotel, you know, he immediately said, oh, I like this thing, the way yes. you've wrapped it. Yes. And I just really was taken aback yes. because it was in a small village in Ireland and you would expect the stereotype, whatever has been fed to them on the media yeah. is there, you know, because they don't see much yeah. of this. But the fact that he complimented and it seemed sincere. It just didn't seem like he was saying it for customer service purposes so that I come back. He <laughs> yes. genuinely said it. Yes. You know, I had a huge smile when oh. I got in. I greeted him. I was lively. And I feel that's what this is about. Yes. You know, it's yes. the impre- we only have one opportunity to make a first impression and let that be. This yeah. is Islam. Yeah. I'm not a terrorist. Yes. I'm not waiting to die um, or kill people to go to heaven. I want to live a meaningful life yes. and touch people's lives and make the world a better place because I exist in it. Yes. Let that be the first impression. Yeah. Um, I think growing up as well with me when I just started wearing hijab as well um, and I was, it was a very difficult time and one of the things that my mom also told me was when people are staring at you maybe they're just admiring you. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And I, and I think the, the change in mindset of not everyone's actually looking at me with bad thoughts in my mind. Yes. You're looking at me because I look different. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. And difference is always a, a, a reason for insecurity in yes. a lot of people. Definitely. Like, yes. you know, you get this... Um, we have stereotypes mm. and we have we're used to our comfort zone what we're, what we're familiar with and so when they see something some people will stare mm. some people will gawk at you mm. and some people will just quietly try and look away yes. the most important thing is focus on what are you doing what yeah. impression are you giving the lookers the gawkers and those <laughs> yes. who are not sure yes. what always be aware yeah. and then you know have confidence in yourself because once you are knowledgeable it gives you more confidence once you know 
And once you know, you can walk with your head up high, feeling like, look, I'm here for a purpose. I'm a beautiful human being. I have a lot to offer and offer everyone, even non-Muslims. So walk with deliberate steps on this earth because we have had people who have been through hell and back to make this religion last as long as it has. And I am part of those who has to carry that torch and continue on the journey with it till whenever I go back home to Allah. Yes. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, we're actually very lucky, I think, in Cape Town and in broader South Africa as well, because it's such a, Islam is such a big part of the country's history. And yeah. um, and it, we're actually very lucky because everywhere you look at these people in hijab and you can identify uh, Muslims wherever you go. Yeah. So we actually are very lucky. I love this country so much. Yes. Wallahi, I've never been to a place where, and I, my mother is British, so I've been to England, yes. where I see... Muslims accepted so well and I've been to a lot of places but this is where I can tell this is sincere yes. I was so amazed yesterday we prayed in um, a building that was very close to this Ferris wheel you have here in yes. Cape Town this eye it's like the London eye yeah. and there was a small mosque for men and women to do ablution and pray and I hear there are mosques and malls which is yes. not too common you yeah. know and yet yeah. here it's readily available. I have not seen one dirty look. People smile back at me. Look, I smile at everybody. I smile at dogs <laughs> and insects. So, you know, it's like, yes. but I just love yes. the spirit. People yes. seem to be very comfortable. And I think um, a lot of credit goes to the Muslims because it means they're setting the right example and they're not feeding the negative stereotype. And that's what we're talking about. Yes. It's like you're not scaring them. You're not intimidating. You're actually living Islam with purpose and showing the beauty of the yes. religion. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to ask you, because you, you mentioned previously, and you're speaking a lot about youth, um, and you mentioned you work, there's a school. Um, yeah. So what what would you say is it that actually excites you about the youth? Oh, I have been blessed with, I believe, the most beautiful life because Allah has given me so many privileges. Um, since one of my main goals and motivation is to touch people's lives, mm-hmm. to give me a chance every year to have about 450 children that are like my canvas for me to plant seeds in. Um, Growing up, my dad always said that um, plant seeds wherever you go, nurture, um, make sure there's sunlight and nutrients and remove weeds, things that could affect them negatively. And realize that some of those seeds you've planted will not bear fruit during your lifetime but the fruits are waiting for you in the hereafter. So having that long term. But what is so fulfilling about working with a school is the fact that you actually see them flourishing. You see them blossoming and you see them bear fruit. Of course, you have teenagers because they are rebellious. At some point, they won't get this discipline, these things that you're trying to instill in them. But what is so great is after they've gone, and I've seen many of our students get married, have their own children, they come back and say thank you. They come back and say, I get it now. And they say thank you because they realize all those tough love, all the tough love we showed them was actually to build them and construct. Not even though it hurt, and sometimes what hurts instructs, at that time they rebelled. But wallahi, what is so fulfilling is that um, I go to bed in the, at night looking forward to waking up in the morning, even if it's just to get a hug, even if it's just to give somebody hope that 
they are capable of achieving their fullest potential and being significant on this earth just by virtue of their presence. That their existence is no accident, yes. and every human being is that way. That is amazing. Yeah, I yeah, love my, sure. I love the privilege of working with a school yes. and with teenagers. And as much as it's stressful because they've got hormones they over, and yes. testosterone yes. coming out of their ears, and you see this emotional roller coaster of, you know, drama queens and divas and you know guys <laughs> aggressive and yes. everything. But it's all part of learning because I learn from them. I learn so much the importance of yeah. patience yeah. and growth. Yes. Yes. There's a symbol, if I may share with you, of an animal that represents me. It's the butterfly. And um, I see the story of the journey of the butterfly, that it starts off with this ugly caterpillar, and then it evolves and gets to a stage where it wants to become better. So it goes into a cocoon. And during that time, it's developing, it's growing. And I believe that's what life is about, you know, work on your inside, your nafs. And then one day it just bursts out into the world with these beautiful colors. And then it goes and pollinates and it serves as food for other animals. Um, but it makes the world beautiful by being in it and makes the world better. It pollinates and so things keep developing and growing and it's beautiful to look at it makes it puts a smile on people's face when they see it and I believe that's what every human being's journey is it's to discover yourself and to make the world beautiful because you exist in it you know to be greater than yourself and that's what I love about the butterfly and that's what every day is for me I so I do understand the analogy but I was gonna say I can't even imagine you as a an ugly bucket an ugly caterpillar. No, I was. Well, I, I, I am still on a journey and I know probably I'll be another, yeah. I'll turn into a caterpillar again, go into a cocoon. But what's yeah. great is each day is a yes. chance for yes. us to make a new resolve yes. and renew our contract yes. and our agreement with Allah for what we are here for. So I think, you know, really it's like we all have our flaws and our shortcomings and things we're not proud of and we know them. And once we make a decision that I, I'm going to be better every day, I'm going to change something, I'm going to shed a bad habit, I'm going to be my best self, yes. then we become butterflies every day. That's what I feel anyway. So just to, to close off, um, is there any final words for the people of South Africa, for the people watching um, and listening? Um, any final um, words of advice that you'd like to give? Um, well, I believe um, our capabilities are you know, our, what we are able to achieve, we don't know. We don't know our limits. Once upon a time, we didn't know we could go send somebody to the moon. Um, and when you think on that scale, that look, this is a human being that came up with this idea and was able to bring it to life, I believe that we are all here for a purpose. And what we are able to achieve, we don't know, but our lifelong mission should be to find out what is our fullest potential and be able to do them. And the best part is Allah has said in the Quran that he has made us his representatives here on earth. He has made us his Khalifas. And there is no way Allah will put us as his ambassadors, as his representatives, without equipping us with superpowers to be able to achieve it. And those super skills and powers he, and gifts he has given us are things like life. He has given us health. He has given us time. He's given us guidance in the Quran and in the Hadiths to show us and navigate, you know, what is his wish for us here. And 
um, examples in Rasulullah a human being like us that we should model like here's a preview of what you are meant to do just do this and you know and then finally he's by our side he will never ask us to represent him and not watch and see that we're doing it well so as long as our intention is or we are focused on the right Qibla um, our own personal Qibla heading to inshallah the hereafter um, where we will be welcomed that is the ultimate goal then we should live each day with purpose that our existence the fact that we are alive today and some are not is for a reason and those that are not look at those best ones that have come and gone what did they do with their lives how do we use their examples and learn from their mistakes and be better than our yesterday so for me just live a meaningful life use all the gifts that Allah has blessed you with to be bigger than you to be greater than you and like the Prophet said the best amongst you are those who are the most useful but he said the best and I want to be the best and I want to be the most useful and I believe that is what my calling is so the advice I give is you know be your butterfly go into your cocoon and burst out in the world to be the most useful and the best at everything you do yeah I think um, after that you're actually an honorary member of accidental Muslims oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because they tagline is I also am <laughs> The tagline is love with purpose. Oh, so it's in, exactly in line, I think, with that. But um, I just want to thank you um, for your free time, for, for the interview. Alhamdulillah, I am truly, truly inspired. Oh, Alhamdulillah, and I'm sure many, many others. Um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the time in Cape Town. Thank but you. I will continue to bless you. Um, with, you have such eloquence in how you speak, Alhamdulillah. May Allah continue to bless you. And always just bless you with good, inshallah. Thank you. Salams guys, my name is Mohammed Zaad and I'm the co-founder of Toledo Society, which is a podcast network dedicated to English-speaking Muslims across the globe. We've launched a couple of shows and we have several in the pipeline. Our first show, which is called The Transit Lounge, which I host, is currently live and you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. On The Transit Lounge, we interview people who've had a considerable impact on the Muslim world. People who've had positions at the White House, members of parliament, business people and community people. We also have another show that's currently live called seven stories seven minute stories as you drop off your kids to school we'd love your feedback and if you'd like to find out more visit toledosociety.com that's t-o-l-e-d-o society.com so that's it for today's show we hope you added value we hope you enjoyed it but most of all we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com if you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.